Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. This is the big fight reaction for Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou. I'm your host, Sean, joined by Johnston, who's back on the pod this week after the half-term is over. You are back as normal for what is probably going to be a really good reaction show, and I feel it in my bones already that we've got a lot to talk about in this episode. Obviously starting with Tyson Fury and Ngannou, but we are going to talk about Fabio Wardley's victory over David Adelaide. We're going to talk about the fight of the year, or at least the round of the year, Oshaki Foster versus Eduardo Rocky Hernandez. One hell of a fight that I think people completely forgot about this weekend, and those that didn't forget about it, well, I'm sure you'll be absolutely fawning of it, as per us as well with that particular fight. So, we're going to go straight into Fury versus Ngannou. Like, we knew what it was going to be going into it, and we knew it was going to be an exhibition. But I'll be quite honest with you, my opinion, guys, and, and Johnston, is that I, I didn't anticipate it to be as much of a difficult night for Tyson Fury as what it absolutely turned into for him. And there's loads of points to raise here, and I, I apologise in advance if I do sort of bleed into some of the points you want to raise here, Johnston, but... It's, it's how I actually feel in the aftermath of watching this fight now and, you know, looking at how difficult it became for Fury in this fight, I started looking at what people were saying in the aftermath and they were talking about how they've turned their opinions around on him and, you know, one minute he's being compared as one of the greatest fighters uh, of all time in the heavyweight division, the next he wouldn't get anywhere near Lennox Lewis, he wouldn't get anywhere near Mike Tyson or Muhammad Ali and... It's it's crazy how the boxing world works and how fans' minds and perceptions can change in just this one bout. 
But the fight itself, it wasn't Fury's greatest performance. It was a, a difficult performance for him. There were times when he looked really sluggish and, and rugged. And in fact, he did come in. The heaviest is coming for a fight. I believe it's the heaviest is coming for a fight in his professional career. I could be a little bit wrong. I'm sure they said that in, in the build-up to it. But I know it's the heaviest he's been in the ring for some time. And it's shown on the night. It's shown how sluggish he was and and how at times he was a little bit off the pace. However, this is where I'm going to turn it around a little bit now, guys, and say, like, regardless of, of that, I actually still look back at the fight now. I've watched it and think, I think he just, just did enough to win that fight, despite no matter how many people are saying it's a robbery and it is corruption. Looking back on it again now, I think, I think he just about did enough. I'm going to let you come in now, Johnston, and have your thoughts and feelings on it. But that that's kind of what I've took away from it. After watching it once and then watching it for a second time, I'm now thinking, do you know what? It was really, really close. It could have been scored slightly differently. It could have even been a draw. Maybe would have been the more fair result. But I think he probably just did enough to win. Well, you know me, I'm going to take this back a little bit, Sean, because uh, that's what I do. Uh, did I watch the fight live? No, I didn't. I'm going to be completely honest with everybody. I watched it this morning, actually. Uh, but do you know what I did watch after watching Match of the Day? To be honest with you, that was my evening as I watched Pete uh, Raidermaker when he fought Floyd Patterson in 1957. The only other heavyweight to fight another heavyweight, but this time that wasn't for a world title. This one, obviously, Fury and Ngannou wasn't. It happened in 1957 and he was an amateur that fought for the first time as a professional. We've done it, we've covered it, Sean, against Floyd Patterson. Uh, he actually knocks Patterson down in the second round and then Patterson just demolishes him in the end and finishes him off in six rounds. And I think Part of the reason why I chose my prediction at the time was I felt not that um, Ngannou was going to get stopped as such. Like, you know, one thing he had he has is a very tough chin. And I mean, I'm not an MMA expert. I haven't followed his career in a way, but I've read bits and I, everyone said, like, you know, he's a really tough operator. He ain't going to get knocked out. Uh, for me, I always felt that it'd be more of a fatigue thing because I felt that Tyson Fury would be back to that style of going behind the jab, literally just dominating the fight on the back foot, landing the jab, keeping him at distance, and then eventually he would tire Ngannou. For me, that's what I thought. And um, and he would eventually just not come out of his corner because he'd be too exhausted for the punishment he's taken. And yes, MMA is still a, a contact sport and you need to be physically strong. And you, you, know, you need a lot of energy. You need, you need stamina. Um, I just feel with boxing, it's slightly different. And when you're doing three-minute rounds, you know, after six, I thought he'd be blown out of his ass a little bit, and he wasn't. So he surprised me, and he surprised many of us. I think he surprised Tyson Fury for for absolute hundred percent, no matter what he says. And the one thing I did notice in the fight as well, Sean, is that Fury normally dominates most of his opponents, if not all of his opponents, on the inside. It's in, you know, barring the performance against Klitschko, which was a completely different style. But when he's on the inside, he can lean on him, and he can he can fatigue him that way. I thought that there was going to be no way he would do that with Ngannou because he's an MMA fighter. He can do all those little bits on the inside. He's going to be more clever. He's going to be stronger. He's used to those clinches. And Tyson found out very quickly that he, he couldn't sort that out because he was better than him at that because that's what he does. That's his living. That's what he's done. So I thought that was a bad mistake from Tyson, not working behind the jab. But then I thought, maybe, Sean, he can't do it anymore, mate. I think that's the problem. Tyson Fury can't do it anymore. 
And I never thought of that. In my head, before the fight, I thought, no, he's going to out-jab him, tire him out, and then go for the kill, and eventually Ngannou would just not come out of his corner. I was so wrong, because Fury can't do that anymore. And I, it's, it's so clear as well. It just come to my... It's, it pinged in my head. I had like this... This, this, this light bulb went off and I thought, when you look at the last few performances, sort of after the, the first Deontay Wilder fight, Tyson Fury cannot do that anymore. He needs to plant his feet more, he needs to stay more stake. And that's where Ngannou got success. And that was where I'm bringing this Rademacher and Patterson comparison because I thought that we would see that from Fury. Like what Patterson got knocked down, pissed him off, knocked him out. I thought we'd see that from Fury. It didn't happen. So my question is, Sean, can he do that anymore? Is he now one of those fighters bit like Ali, which we see, he had to change his style because of his age, because of how things went. And the stuff that he's done in his early career, even when he was out of the ring, you know, all the damage he, he, his body took, is that now coming to, to fruition where now Tyson Fury just can't, can't be that agile anymore, which then makes, the poses the question with the Usyk now. But the one thing I will say as well, Sean, is the fickleness of fans. How this guy could be one of the greatest ever heavyweights of all time and now all of a sudden be a fraud is beyond me. You raise some good points and and you ask a good question. Can he can he do what he once did before? I think it's evident he's changed his style. I think, to be honest, since the Dillian White fight in particular, uh, no, maybe going back a bit further, maybe going back to the, the second and third Wilder fights and then moving from there onwards, he planted his feet a lot more, didn't he? Yes, his lateral movement was, was still there. And his lateral movement and and his sort of herky jerky style of of trying to draw the lead out with that movement and that pouring style to try and draw the lead out, well, that's all still there. But in terms of inside fighting, has he has he still got the same ability to to be as naturally good on the inside, or is he susceptible to something that we've not seen yet? And has this fight shown us that maybe somebody who's aesthetically uh, and and got the same sort of level of strength and and, and physicality as as Tyson and can not be easily intimidated. Has Ngannou shown that that is a possibility now that if Usyk was to do something similar against Tyson Fury, actually we might see a different Usyk performance than what we're used to. Because if Usyk's to fight him now, he's surely going to have taken a few things away from this. Thinking I can see a few things here that what Tyson wasn't able to do against Ngannou, what he was able to do against other opponents. So they'll be taking that away and thinking, right, what can we work on now? We can't say for 100% certain that he's lost a little bit of his ability to fight conclusively on the inside because we just won't know that until he gets into that situation again when he when he fights Usyk. If he gets to an inside situation where they're both fighting against one another, if, if Usyk becomes more conclusive with his combinations on the inside and Fury seems more susceptible then I think we'd know for sure at that point it's too maybe a little bit too early to say 100% but I agree it's a good question to raise because maybe other people have picked up on that and seen that as well I just think he, he overlooked him I genuinely believe he, he overlooked this fight I don't think he was 100% prepared for the fight the way he would normally prepare for the biggest fight of his career like Remember, there was no title on the line and he was still getting paid for this fight. So no matter what happened, even if he would have picked up the, the loss here, he would have still been paid a lot of money for it. Yes, it might have caused some problems with a future unification fight with Usyk, albeit it has been signed and it has been confirmed for the 23rd of December, which we're going to talk about shortly about how that's going to work next because of the damage 
he seemed to sustain in this fight as well is is something that we knew could possibly be a problem with the fight then having to be moved later down the line because of damage. And he did sustain quite a bit of damage. You look at his face the next day. Like yesterday, I was looking at pictures and videos of him and, he, you know, his eyes all blacked up and the side of his, his left eye's got bruising around it. So, you know, and Garnu, he landed some really good shots on Fury. And to be fair and to his credit, barring the knockdown, he did take some other good shots from Ngannou, as did Ngannou from Fury as well. It was, you know, there were some good exchanges there. But then it left me wondering, like... You know, if Nganu was able to to get to Fury the way he did, how easy is it going to be for Anusik to to pick his punches against Fury? And it just leads me to believe that maybe now it's not as one-sided, this unification fight, as maybe what people have come out there and said. Like, there's a lot of people out there that think that Fury's just too big for Usyk and that. And then Fury says it himself, he's just a blown-up middleweight. But now, looking at the, 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 the fight and looking at the potential of it, it's definitely not as... It's, it's, it's definitely more 50-50 now for me. Like, if I was edging towards Fury before, now I'm thinking this is definitely straight down the middle. I'm thinking they've both got their own vulnerabilities, which we've seen in fights recently, and they both have had performances recently that haven't been fantastic for them. So, in a way, they're going into a fight quite evenly matched because it's not like one of them's coming off the back of a devastating performance because they're not, are they really? You know, I know Usyk got the win and, and Daniel Dubois got stopped and it was, it, was, it was over, but he didn't look great. He got put down and there was an argument over how he got put down and that he's susceptible to body shots. So I think what we're seeing with these two ageing champions is that age is maybe starting to creep up on them and the styles are having to be adapted to maybe suit where they're at in their careers so actually, this could be a really good time for these two to fight because they're not as good maybe as they once were. I'm not saying they're not good at all. They are still the two best out there, 100%. But look at them five years ago, five, six years ago, maybe, you know, pre-Tyson Fury going off for a couple of years. But look at them at arguably their, what we would consider to be their peaks and look at where they are now. Maybe that's not what we can look at them as anymore. And maybe now we look at it and think they've both got vulnerabilities within their defences, that's going to make this fight an even more interesting one. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, look, the one thing is, is Tyson, I just don't feel, I feel like Tyson, you know, most people will say Tyson could just out-jab Usyk and keep him on the, away from him uh, with that long, you know, he's got phys the physicality, the size difference, you know, it's, it's a huge, huge advantage for Tyson. Um, so, for me, I'd expect that. That's what people would be saying. He's going to just jab him all night. But he can't. Honestly, I don't. Seriously, Sean, I don't think he can do it anymore. He can't do it for 12 rounds. He's going to need a breather. You know, he's going to need to lean on him a little bit. But this is where Usyk's clever. And he will he will find holes and gaps. And he will, he will, he will exploit those vulnerabilities. And the one thing I will say, if there's anyone in the heavyweight division that can exploit vulnerabilities, it's Usyk. And yes, look, people are going to make, you know, they're going to mention the body. Uh, can Tyson but Tyson is he really going to work to the body Can if he gets in close enough maybe but I don't think Usyk's going to allow him to do that and I've been banging the Usyk drum I've never said he would lose a fight the only fight I ever said he would lose was the first Joshua fight and I thought it was because he was going to get robbed I won't ever make that mistake again uh, I think the one thing is Usyk needs to be conclusive with his victory because when you look at it um, if anyone out of them two you want to be the undisputed champion in terms of popularity it's going to be Tyson Fury and I do feel that anything close will favour to Fury. I do a bit like the Nagano situation. The fact is that Nagano has come in. Yes, he's got fine experience, but he's a he's, it's his first professional fight, and he's made Tyson Fury look ordinary. 
And there's two things to take from this is just the way people are now looking at Nunganu and building him up and saying, actually, do you know what? He's he is it was a lot better than we anticipated. But let's not blow too much smoke up his ass. People saying he can take on top ten challengers. You know, there are guys out there that I believe would outbox and dominate Nungano. Uh because Tyson Fury didn't do it, it doesn't mean that Tyson's no no the best. I don't believe that. I think it was a bad day for him. It was a bad night. He he completely underestimated him, no matter what he says. And, you know, you got to think of it. With boxing, it's tough. Because you have a bad night, and then all of a sudden, you're washed up. And you're a fraud. And you're not what everyone thought you had. And actually, those Wilder fights, you know, you, you, they, they they lose credibility. Because people are like, well, what's Wilder? Who's Wilder? Who's he for? Actually, do you know what? Maybe they ain't as good. Which is something I've said myself. Because people blow smoke up their rush. You've got to make sure that you look at the sport as... You know, you got to look at his entirety of uh, as as a fighter, but sometimes just one bad performance does not make that. You know, does that make does that make you a bad fighter? No, it doesn't. Because Tyson Fury could beat Usyk if he comes back and does what he needs to do, and he's more disciplined. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But it's just it's just the, the irony of the whole thing and how fickle boxing fans are. Look, if, if Manchester City pulled out, I'm going to say Ipswich Town because I'm thinking ahead here. Uh, but Ipswich Town, championship, absolutely flying. Come up from League One, you know. Man City go Portman Road in the third round of the FA Cup. Ipswich put on a great show. No one was expecting to beat Man City, but they put on a great show. Man City still come away with a victory, very narrowly. You know, maybe a couple of our decisions went against them. Well, referee, bad referee, as he should have been a penalty, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Man City won the game and they go home and everyone's like, cool, weren't expecting that. That is what it was. That is what that fight was. A bad performance from from Tyson and a good one from Lungano. Uh For me, Fury did win the fight. There was an argument for a draw. Possibly. Uh, it was only a 10 round. That's another mistake. I think he should have made it 12 against a guy who's, you know, who's not used to fighting 12 rounds. Why did he do 10? Not quite sure. Maybe again. Again for me. Maybe it's because Tyson Fury knows himself. He's not got long left. He's, he's been saying it a lot. Uh, but just the one thing I will say though, Sean, is do not be surprised if Tyson Fury now goes and retires after Christmas and then ironically will come out 
around March time when the deadline is to make it's it's what it is is it, I think there's a deadline for the Usyk fight it has to be made completely in March then after March he, he comes back maybe gets stripped of his title well, I can see that happening because I do feel that Tyson Fury's thinking shit do you know what um, I, I do think that there's uh, there's an issue with myself I honestly feel that I, I do I feel that there is a whether he was not mentally right, I don't know. It's been a circus, isn't it, Shaw? It's been an absolute circus. He's enjoyed himself for the last couple of years, and now all of a sudden he's got to get serious. Can he do that? I don't think he can. Well, let's go and talk about the fight then and talk about the proposed date of the 23rd of December. So that's been signed. A couple of weeks ago, we was talking about the fact that Usyk said he needs a 14-week camp. So then we were thinking maybe the date's not going to happen. And now Frank Warren is saying that he wants to save Tyson from himself by saying he's not fighting on the 23rd of December. And in fact, he'll fight later on down the line. So it kind of concurs with what you're saying. Now, I believe, I don't know the ins and outs of the contract, but what I've also read, like yourself, Johnson, is that they've got till March to make the fight if they can't make the original date of the 23rd. So there is still a little bit of lean way within that contract. I'm led to believe I don't know the ins and outs of it, guys, so I couldn't be 100% sure. It could absolutely be something different, and we hear something next week that's totally different and, and contradicts what I'm saying here. But as far as I'm aware, and from what other media outlets are reporting, that is that is what it is at the moment. So it wouldn't surprise me if he goes, right, I need to take some time away and I'll be back. And then they don't end up fighting until March, maybe even April next year, and then that gives them both time to to prepare for the big fight. I believe it's also part of the um, Riyadh season as well, you know, as part of that whole season that they're doing over there of sport in Saudi Arabia. So I believe it falls within that as well, and that was part of the contract. So I believe it has to be made within that time frame or it has to happen within their season time frame because, let's be honest, it's going to be those guys over there, the sheiks that are going to be funding this fight to make it one of the richest heavyweight fights in history. So... Either either way, they're going to have to do it if they've both signed to fight, regardless of when the date is, whether it's 23rd of December, in January, in February, or even pushing the boundaries of going into March. These guys have signed to do this now and they've accepted it and they've accepted that they're going to both be making a lot of money from it. And what was funny, actually, is when Fury got knocked down in that third round and it panned to Usyk, you could kind of see the concern in Usyk's face and there was a lot of, a lot of funny captions around that on social media about how Usyk was realising the moment that maybe his payday is going down the swanee a little bit. Um, the reality is, if Tyson Fury would have lost that right there and then, that moment, it probably would have been down the swanee a little bit for him because, you know, like, that that that's, makes it a less credible fight. Certainly, even if there was no titles on the line, surely the credibility and the value of that goes down completely from what it was. So I can imagine Usyk also is a businessman and he'll be thinking the same way as Fury in some respects, like, you know, they're looking at a get-out plan as well because they're both, what, 35, 36? So they're both looking to sort of come to the ends of the careers. And I could imagine if if it was a two-fight deal, them two fights would be it for them and, and that, that'd be them done. You know, that'd be retirement for both of them. They could both go into retirement after two bouts between one another if that's what's in the contract. It just depends on when it gets done, how it gets done, if it plays out, how convincing the win is for whoever wins and, and whether that rematch does happen. I don't think it's happening 23rd of December. I'll agree with a lot of people on social media, a lot of outlets, a lot of people within boxing that this fight isn't happening 23rd of December, is it, Johnston? Well, do you know what's funny is, um, you know, when I, I sent my voice note in Tiara and I was sort of mentioning who's sick saying about the 14-week cap, 
the irony of it was was that just before the fight, I think it was a day before the fight, Usyk come out and said he was misquoted. He said, "No, I want to. I'm fighting for the twenty third. Hundred percent, I'm fighting on the twenty third. I was. It was misquoted. Uh, it was. It was something that some people have, you know, put two and two together and made five or something. So he didn't actually say he he doesn't want to want want to fight on the twenty third. He was like, I'm fighting, and he still says that. That is the first one I want. The date is happening. Uh, and, you know, before the fight, all the noise was Tyson Fury, yeah, I'm fighting Usyk, 23rd. There was even a lot of noise, as I mentioned, which I couldn't go, I didn't go too much into in that voice note, but there was a lot of noise, especially from the Tyson Fury fans. Oh, Usyk don't want to fight him, you know. Fury's the greatest, you know, best fight of all time. And, you know, there's, he just doesn't want to fight him. He's scared of him and his delays, delay tactics and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, well, look, do you know what? I've got no problem with that. I still thought the 23rd of December after this fight is a bit tight. I thought that's a bit daft of... Tyson Fury to be taking this fight against Ngano, no matter what, how easy it would have been, if he had, you know, if he'd have done the things he should have done, which I believe he'd have been a better Tyson Fury that night. I think he might have made it a lot easier. And what people expected, it's people expected once he had dealt with Ngano in convincing fashion, where we took him to the, the whole ten round distance without getting knocked down, no marks, nothing, no little grazes on his forehead. Uh, and Usyk would be in the ring, and then you know you'd have all the boys sitting sort of in the ring with big smiles on their faces. And, um, you know, Frank Warren, green-eyed monster, loving it. You know, Bob Arum even in there. It didn't happen, did it? Um, in, in actual fact, what you see is that I think they missed the press conference in the, uh, in the evening. And there's been absolutely no talk of Usyk. You know, the noise that was coming from them, the noise that was coming from the fans, and nothing. Literally, I'm going to take some time out. That's what I'm going to do. It's a bad daddy office. That's it. And it's just, it, it to me, this is just, this is what boxing does. And this is... Ah, it is it's it's so frustrating because I can all you can always see it. You know what it's like, Sean. You know, you just said it. Frank Warren, I'm gonna save him for himself now. I mean, come on, if he does, if he deals with this guy in five rounds, as I sort of thought it would happen, and Garner would tire and it'd just be finished, you know what Frank Warren would be like twenty third hundred percent. And there's also there was also talk from Fury, which I heard, where he was saying, I think he's gonna get sued if he doesn't take this fight. So look. I just, the fickleness of boxing fans sometimes amuses me. It used to annoy me. It just makes me laugh. It really does. It is, it's hysterical at times. And there's no better point and a better moment to point that out than right now. And I feel that Tyson Fury is not transparent. He's going to retire. I guarantee he retires. It's just a matter of if he comes back in time to get this fight on. I'm not sure, mate. I don't think he's going to. I've got this bad feeling in my gut that he gets stripped of his title. So who's the highest ranked in the WBC heavyweight at the minute, uh, so that, let me just have a quick look, so WBC, there is always Deontay Wilder, so I wouldn't be surprised if you see Deontay Wilder fighting for the vacant titles against Alexander Usyk for that fight in um, February, January, whenever, and that's my opinion, I do, I feel like that, I just, that's how I feel after the disappointment of, once again, a fight I didn't need to take, mate. Well, I hope you're wrong. I hope they do end up fighting because that, that's, that's, that's the fight I want to see. We've been banging this drum for quite some time that we both want to see it, so... I can, I can, and I can understand why you say it. Like for the context of of you guys listening, Johnston, I know you're saying this because I know that's kind of in your head. You know how boxing goes sometimes, and boxing can be so ridiculous that it, it can actually go like that, and things can actually turn out like that. In reality, what we're saying is we both want to see the fight, but it wouldn't surprise us if something stupid like that happened, like Wilder ends up stepping in. I think it's the disappointment. You know, we're so used to it, Sean. Joshua Wilder should have been made how many years ago? Didn't happen. You know, this Usyk fight's been generated for how long? It's, they're saying it's signed. It's a two-fight deal. 
there's going to be issues with it. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. The only way Tyson Fury gets out of this fight is if he retires. And he saves face as well. Because he can just go, oh, I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, I, I don't feel myself. You know, he can, he can save so much. There's just too many elements in that ring for me where it, it just really poses questions for me, Sean. You know, who people will say, you know, Usyk, he got knocked out. Look how long he took. Blah, blah, blah. The rules are the rules for me. It was just below the belt line. Whatever. Look, it doesn't matter. He got up and knocked out Dubois. Tyson didn't do that because he ain't. I honestly don't feel he's got the hunger anymore, Sean. Seeing that, like, you know, the old Hagler saying, getting out of bed for the morning early runs in your silk pyjamas, it's just, it's just tough to do. Well, we'll see, won't we? Well, we'll move away from maybe the negative side of what's gone on this weekend. Sorry. Typical um, me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a good way to, to, to move this podcast and this episode into an absolutely, completely different direction and talk about a fight that I mentioned at the top of the show. Oh, Shaki Foster versus Eduardo Rocky Hernandez. Absolutely right up there as one of the fights of the year. Uh, round 11 has to be the round of the year, maybe even of the decade. And I know we've got a little bit of uh, information to throw into the mix when we do talk about that in a short while. But just the fight alone, guys, if you have not seen this fight from the weekend, please, 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 please go and watch it. It was absolutely fantastic. It is what boxing is all about. When you get things like this happening with the sideshows and the circuses and the misfits and everything that, that's been happening over the past few weeks, you just get a pure, pure masterclass of, of fighting in the ring between two competitors. Two different styles created such a brilliant fight between those two. And respect goes to the pair of them for putting on such a show. And I've got to give more respect, a little bit more respect to Foster because Foster went into his opponent's backyard as the defending champion, fought on the back foot for a lot of the fight and somehow, some way, managed managed to finish that fight off in the 12th round and he was behind on the judges' scorecards as well. It was one of them moments you can compare it to maybe not as entertaining as Frotch versus Taylor, but the ending is probably... It's got the same level of drama to it in terms of where the fight was going and, and how things was playing out, especially when you watch the 11th round in particular and how Oshaki Foster was looking like he was he was stopping Hernandez and all of a sudden Hernandez comes back and tag it. He's just, it's got all the makings of a modern-day Gatti Ward and uh, it was one hell of a fight, Johnston. Superb fight, absolutely super. In its entirety, I mean, there was a good sixth round or seventh round, I think it was a really good round there. Uh, the fight was shaping up. I loved, the, I loved the difference of styles in there. You had Oshik Foster who was, you know, on the back foot, landed some great shots, sort of on the back foot, and then coming forward he needed to. And Rocky, and then there's coming forward, hands down, head down, and just going for it. And you know, it's just how Mexicans fight in general, isn't it? They <laughs> he epitomised that. And credit to Oshik Foster because, honest to God. I felt at some points in that fight where, you know, Hernandez was coming on strong. I thought, my goodness, um, you know, he, he looks like he could he could stop him. Um, and, but credit, I, none of that. I think the one thing is with Foster, for me, I always thought, someone puts it on him like that, I'm not too sure what you're going to get. And what he showed us is it's exactly what he showed us was, I'm going to throw something back and I'm going to hurt you. But, ah, the, I mean, the, the fight as a whole is fight of the year contender. The 11th round is not only a fight of, the round of the year contender in terms of this year, I think it's a, at a minute, it's an absolute the banker for a round of the year. I can't see anything happening in the next couple of months that can beat that. 
And then obviously, you know, when you think about the history, you said the decade. I mean, you look at the history of it. We've done it, Sean. We've done the greatest rounds in boxing history. We went from one to 15, picking out our contenders and then picking our winners for each round throughout the history of this sport, guys. You know, it's on the Patreon-only episode. episode. Please do go and have a look. But our two, the two fights that are in there, Sean, our, our, one of our contenders was a Barrera Morelles, the third fight, round 11. Um, tremendous action in that fight. I mean, anyone that remembers it, it was a great one. Uh, and the winner of our round 11 was Anthony, Anthony Joshua against uh, Vladimir Klitschko. So, I mean, the question is, is Foster and Hernandez, is that better? Could that contend with those two round 11s? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. In fact, like we did that episode as a patron only episode. And like Johnson said, if you guys are not patrons, please do go and sign up at patreon.com forward slash BTR boxing podcast. Little quick plug there, guys. But seriously, though, that episode that we did, we did it on every single round throughout the course of boxing. And in them rounds, we looked at all the best fights, the best moments, and we came up with around 11 in particular that consisted of Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko. And we do give our justifications as to why that is the case. And we do go into other thoughts and feelings on there. But is this fight that we've just seen this weekend as good of, if not better, than the ones that we put in that list? Uh, I actually think it could be better. I actually think if we was recording that episode now and we was including this fight into the equation, that round into the equation, and I think, in fact, we, we it's likely that we probably would have both gone for this as the fight. I agree with you. And um, I think, you know, at the end of it, guys, we do say who our general winner is for round of, you know, in boxing in general, greatest round of all time. We do pick our winners. I mean, it's for me, it doesn't quite tip out Diego Corrales because Steer, for me, uh, I feel that that because there was knockdowns in that, and you know that that's the only reason why I think if either of them two had been knocked down at some point rather than just hurt, uh, I think that probably would be up there as a contender. But yeah, go back and listen to that episode. It's a great episode. We 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 really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I mean, what does what does what does Oshik Foster do now? Is Sean? I mean, Cordina in it surely? Yeah, Cordina is the fight. I mean, we've got a a big fight preview episode coming up a little bit later this week as we document his fight against Vasquez coming up later this week so Cardina's the logical fight for me Cardina versus Oshaki Foster that's the fight I would like to see and now I've seen what I believe to be the best of Foster in this fight against Hernandez I would really love him against Cardina because I think we saw the best of Cardina against Rakimov I think Cardina's real big moment for me was against Rakimov despite the fact that he absolutely obliterated his opponent when he won the IBF title for the first time. I think the Rakimov fight told us a lot more about Cordina than what we knew. And I think you put them two, them styles in that fight. And I think we we would get an absolutely brilliant, fantastic war between the two of them. Because I think what we've seen now is that both of them can do so much. Both of them can fight on the back foot. Both of them can come forward. Both of them can hold centre ring when they need to. So it's going to be a case of who, who's going to give way in this type of a fight. And you can't imagine that either one of them are going to want to give way because they can both do, they're both exceptionally good at, at fighting on the back foot, fighting on the front foot, fighting on the inside. So to me, it just has all the ingredients for a, a fight of the year contender straight away. However, this is the curveball for me. Does he want to fight Lee Wood, Cardina? But he obviously, he's got, to get, he's got to get through Vasquez first. I don't want to overlook that fight because we will be talking about that in our next episode. But you know, if he's looking forward in his career, he's looking at people around. We've got, obviously, Lee Wood now moved up to the division and, and he wants big fights in the division. 
he's already talked about that, Cordy, and he's talked about the possibility of that. And, you know, that at the city ground could be a possibility. But surely, like, as a fan, uh, logic says that you want to take the, the biggest fights that are available. I know that would be in the UK, but the Foster fight, that's the one. That's the one that if I was the boxer and I'd wanted to be testing myself against the absolute very best, that'd be the one I'd want to go for. I agree with you. Um, I can see the, the logic in uh, Kuldina and Wood. You know, it's a, it's a big fight of Ruby, a stadium fight. Um, you're going to get big money for it. But in terms of stylistically, the fight I would prefer to see would be Kuldina and, and Foster. And as you say, look, Kuldina has to get past his opponent before he even looks any further ahead. Um, and he needs to make sure he, he, he remains focused on that. We've only seen just... We were, Spoken a long time about it in this episode with Tyson Fury taking his eye off the ball. He don't want to do that um, and uh, get ahead of himself. So get the business done. And, you know, I just feel like it's, it's just it's a tremendous fight. And as you said, you know, you've had Foster had a tremendous fight uh, with Hernandez and you've had Kuldina who's had a tremendous fight as well with Ratmadev. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, two of the fights potentially of the year. So if we can have those two going at it next year, it's going to be thoroughly entertaining. So... Yeah, great fight though, that Hernandez was. If you haven't seen it, guys, please do go back and have a look because it really is an absolute belter. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see where Foster goes next. I just hope it is against Cordina, but we will see. You know what boxing is like, Sean. I've been moaning about it already, so I'm going to stay positive and say it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, another fight from the weekend then that I thought was was thoroughly entertaining was one that I did mention in the preview, which was Fabio Wardley and David Adelaide, the first time a British heavyweight title fight had happened in another country uh that was great it was it was it was a bit of history and i know people might say yeah but it should have happened in london and blah, blah 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 look it was on a big show it was a massive show the amount of celebrities that were probably paid to go over by the saudis was just ridiculous it was really was a who's who of of celebrities like eminem do you know what i mean eminem kanye west turning up in what looked to be a, a liverpool goalkeeper third jersey from what i could see really really strange individual these days kanye west but the fact is there were so many celebrities there for that you couldn't really argue that this fight deserved a big platform to be on and, and, it, and he got it and he and it to me it delivered i don't know what people's thoughts are on it i've not looked into social media to see what people are saying about the fire but ultimately what i took away from this was that Fabio Wardley is a is a very improved fighter. He's still got some vulnerabilities. He's still got tagged too much for my liking in this fight against Adelaide. But for me, he's got the firepower to to negate that when he needs to. And, and whilst he looked vulnerable at times himself, Wardley, remember he he's come from a completely different background into boxing. You know, I speak to boxers on a regular basis, you do, and we know how how important they say an amateur career is to have and how limited Fabio Wardley's was in comparison to many other fighters that get into this sport. For me, that that this is a massive achievement for him. Like some might say, this is an overachievement for him. But the fact is, he was concussive with his shots. He picked them really well throughout the course of the fight. And whilst he looked vulnerable and got hit a little bit too often for my liking, he did what he needed to do, and he beat David Adelaide. And he absolutely got a fantastic victory. But what this fight has also shown me is is levels of professionalism within this sport as well. Like the level of professionalism from Fabio throughout the course of the build up to the fight to the aftermath uh, has been consummate. But I can't say the same about his counterpart David Adelaide. You know he was involved in the scuffle a few weeks before that could have caused the fight to be cancelled. You know he was talking about how he didn't want a rematch clause in the press conference leading up to the fight and then in the aftermath. 
because he was stopped after already being put down, he then lashes out at the referee and sort of throws a jab at the referee's side slash stomach in retaliation for the referee stopping him. And then his, his interview just wasn't fantastic either. And it just, it just goes to show you that there's some, some levels and attitudes within this sport that really isn't going to get people like him very far. If, you know, if it continues to, to act that way, I hope he really learns from this. But Johnston, handing this to you now, what did you make of the fight? What do you think of Fabiola's performance? And of course, David Adelaide's throwing his toys out of the pram moment. Yeah, I'm not wasn't impressed with him from the very start of the fight with their little brawl and uh, you know Hart was through through Wardley, no no fault of Fabio's, um, and you know he's gone in there and he's he's done a professional job on him. Uh, you know the one thing you would say about David Adelaide is never seen him fight a back foot. I mean this guy is getting pressed back all the time. Fabio Wardley dominating him in that respect, and although Adelaide's you know he's a dangerous puncher, uh, he's good going forward. You know, he push him back. And that's the outcome. He wasn't good enough. He's talking about a thumb in the eye in the second round. And I mean, he's saying no excuses. You know, I lost a fight after the fight. And yet he's talking about a thumb in the eye. You know, I just like this guy, honestly. He wants a rematch. As you said, didn't want a rematch. Now he wants a rematch. Um, look, Fabio was 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 brilliant. He was in terms of the performance. And the guy was put in front of him. He'd done the business. He'd done a professional job on him. He worked him out. And he stopped him. And we did. I mean, we said that before, Sean, when... You know, the fact is, one of these two are gonna, someone's gonna get knocked out. You know, there, there's no way about it. And and Fabio was um was the man who got the job done. And and David just hasn't. He, there's a stuff with the referee. I mean, the commentator made a big deal of it. And then you watch it again. Yeah, it isn't. You know, he's not like he's he's literally gone in and and whacked the fella in the side. He's sort of a but he's a punch. He's a knock. Um, he'll get fined for that, and he possibly could get suspended for that because that is completely unsportsmanlike. And then you get Steve Bunce didn't even ask him about it. I mean, I thought, come on, Steve. You know, you've got to get some bollocks, son. I want to say to him, what are you hitting him? Why are you hitting the referee for? That'd be one of the first questions you put to him. You can't do that. You know, the commentator was raving about it when it happened. And then it, no one asked him anything about it. And then he's there able to give excuses. The guy's an idiot. He's absolutely mugged himself right off in front of millions watching at home. Uh, what a twat, to be honest with you. Suspend him, fine him, let him sort himself out because he's sort something out in his head. Do not give him a rematch. Don't deserve it. Uh, for me, Fabio Wardley should move on. Uh, stay well away from David Ole. Uh, this guy needs to recover and try and sort himself out mentally because he's not right. And um, yeah, Fabio moves on. And Fraser Clark said he wants another fight at this British level. Um, I think it's a good fight for him. I think there's been talk of a like a Parker fight or a Makhmadov fight. For me, I think Fraser Clark is the fight that needs to be made. Fraser's made himself known, made himself present. At the fight afterwards, Wardley saying he'd take it. You know, I spoke about Ipswich Town earlier. It's like I'm an Ipswich Town fan. I'm not. Fabio Wardley is. Um, I'm not saying that that is a fight that he could potentially have at a stadium. I think if he'd fill it, I mean, it'd be later on, maybe against a Parker, he could potentially do that. But in the meantime, Fraser before that, and I think Fabio will get that chance. He wants to fight Ipswich Town. Ipswich Town are on great form at the minute. Crowd, you know, in terms of the foot in the, in the league and the. There's a lot going on behind it, Switch. Get Fabio in in the summer and all. I mean, that's going to be a balmy atmosphere uh, against anyone who ever wants to step in the ring against him at Switch. That'd be a hard fight for him. So for me, Fraser Clark, I'm not writing Fraser Clark off, by the way, because I think that could be a good fight. If that's a good first fight, maybe a rematch at the stadium. But yeah, impressed with Fabio. Really am. Yeah, I'm impressed with him. I think, he, you know, he's shown, like I said, levels of professionalism given his background and, and where he's at. And yeah, just as a side note, I, I don't understand 
you know, journalism and, and well-respected journalists, especially people like Bunce, who absolutely can't stand people like me and you who do podcasts like this, absolutely do not like people like this. And yet he can't even ask a question like that. Whatever his justification is, whatever his justification is for that, I do not know. But if you're supposed to be one of the pioneers of boxing journalism in the UK, uh, why, why are you not asking the obvious question straight away? Maybe he felt it wasn't the right time to do it. Maybe he just felt like it was for another day because of how irate Adelaide always was at that. Maybe he thought he was going to get a crack himself if he would have asked that question. I don't know. But to me personally, if I would have been asking the question, you know, what happened there, David? Why did you do that? What, what what was the reaction? And if he would have said, look, do you know what? I'm really sorry. That could have been his chance to make amends for it straight away there and say, look, you know what? I'm really yeah. sorry. Sorry to the referee, blah, blah, blah. But Bonds didn't even ask the question. And, and that's the part of boxing journalism that, that, you know, if you call yourself a journalist, you've got to ask the right questions. You've got to ask specific questions around incidents rather than glossing over them. And, and that's a bit of a letdown there, really, to be honest with you. However, didn't take away anything from what happened there. It was great. Great performance from Wardley. I'm just going to round up then a couple of the other fights on the card uh, before we come to the end of this particular show. Joseph Parker, we mentioned him in the preview on the card. He got a KO in the third round over Simon Keane. Martin Bacoli looked pretty good against Carlos Takam, stopping him in four rounds. He's another one who needs a big fight now. Like Since he's lost to Hunter, he's come back and he's been on a really good run of fights. I don't know why they can't get him a good fight. I don't know who's behind the team that are promoting him at the moment that are not able to get him a good fight. But he's surely, surely in line now to fight somebody big next. Surely, because I feel, I'm not saying he is, but I feel like he's one of those fighters. Again, he's, you know, he's a bit of a, a low reward and a high risk by fighting him. You fight him, you don't, you fight him and you lose. Uh, it's, it's 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 crap for you, but if you fight him and you win, what do you gain out of it? Because you know it's not like he's in line for a title shot, so to speak. So, where 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 does someone like Bacoli sit at the moment in the grand scheme of the heavyweight division when you've got people like Parker around, also trying to sort of come back and get himself into a position? He's just now won two intercontinental titles with two different organisations, the IBF and the WBO, and we did our shooting the breeze episode last week on the governing bodies and, and how confusing it can be. And, you know, when you've got someone like Parker winning these titles, that now puts him in a position on their rankings where maybe it puts him more in line for a shot than someone like a Bacola who's who's on better run of form. He is. Uh, and Bacola, I mean, he came in a bit heavy, didn't he? Uh, I think there was mentioned something to do with an ankle injury. Um, but yeah, he came in very heavy, very static. But, you know, he got the job done. Uh, maybe he wanted to put the extra weight and I'm not quite sure for the reasons behind it and why he hasn't really been given those sort of massive fights. I mean, he's dealt with Takam, the Yoka fight, great performance over in France. Look, the guy deserves an opportunity. He does. Uh, and he's pushing himself in there. I mean, look, you, you mentioned Joe Parker. I mean, what what is the problem with a Parker-Bacoli fight? I, I would chuck him in. Now, there's, you think about Makhmadov and how highly ranked he was in all four of the organisations. I mean, that'd be a great fight, wouldn't it? They're just tearing two strips off each other in there, but Cody Matadov, who comes out on top. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Even a Volin, you know, those type of level fighters, really, but Cody needs. And I know the noise from his camp tends to be that fighters don't want to don't want to fight him. And then you hear others from, from outside the camp that say he's an issue. Whatever it is, he just needs to get himself a really big fight. And he's look, he's doing the right thing, Sean, isn't he? He's doing everything he needs to do. I mean, Fabio Woodley, I mean, that is a potential fight. Is that a jump up for Fabio? Or is that, 
I don't know. I mean, I think I think Bacoli, it's, it's difficult to judge where his level's at. Is he a Parker? Is he a Wardley? I think there's a bit in between. Parker's ahead of him, just. And then you've got the rest that are sort of sort of troubling around there. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, there's, there's so many names in a division. There's none that really jump out of you. And obviously, it's the top guys in there that, you know, we all want to see fight each other. But they're all hustling and justling. And at the minute, Bacoli's the one pushing himself ahead, nicking himself in there. Into, as a top 10 contender for me personally. So I just hope he gets that charge, Sean. No matter what the the stuff going on outside the ring is, just put that, maybe put some egos to bed and, and get yourself a big fight because he needs it. Well, just rounding up the rest of the card, you mentioned Makhmadov. He got a KO in the first round. And again, I said this in the preview. I said I felt like it was being set up for him to look good again and get another another great victory and it was he's 18 and 0 now and he's just he just looks fantastic we're waiting for the day when someone stands up to his punches and causes yeah. him problems i mean somebody already has that to be fair They've, obviously he has gone the distance once in his professional career that's why he's not got a 100 percent ko ratio on his record he did go 10 10 rounds previously in his career against ironically Carlos Takam, who got stopped. Interesting, maybe a Bacoli Makhlodov fight could be an interesting fight down the line. Maybe that's something that should get made at this point in time, you know, given that at the moment they don't they both appear to be kind of in no man's land while the rest that sit at the top of the tree are, are all jostling around to to make these big fights happen. So maybe that's a possibility. But yeah, he did get the win on this card if you didn't already watch it. Also a note to Jack McGann and Moses Aitama both getting victories on this particular card. Jack McGann, former MMA fighter turned professional boxer. He's now 8-0-1. Well, now 9-0-1, should I say, after he got a victory in the second round over Roberto Duran Jr., a former guest on this show, Roberto Duran Jr. I remember when he came on a couple of years ago to the show and I know his career hasn't kind of mapped out the way he's wanted it to have mapped out, but I do know and I remember having that conversation with him a few years ago about his relationship with his dad wasn't the greatest back then, so I don't know whether that has changed or not. Roberto was there in Saudi, and he probably would have been there watching, so I don't know whether their relationship is any better, but his career certainly hasn't mapped out the way that maybe people thought it would. Um, but fair play for him to getting in there, and fair play to Jack McGann as well for getting the victory on such a big stage for him. Hopefully that'll help him move his career a little bit more forward now. Um, but that was that was the main bulk of the weekend for me they they were the fights i wanted to cover the bulk of this conversation johnson obviously has been around the tyson fury and ganu fight but i've just got to bring it back again and not talk about that but talk about the old shaky foster fight and hernandez fight because like i know we cover these shows based on what might be perceived as the biggest fight of the weekend which was Fury versus Ngannou. but i'm just really in awe of the foster versus hernandez fight and i feel like that needs to be mentioned yet again before we close the show because it is such a fantastic fight and it is what, for me, it's like the epitome of boxing. It really is the epitome of boxing. Watching a fight like that, it's what makes you fall in love with the sport. It's what makes you rekindle your love for a sport like this. And when you see the shit that goes on over the weeks with different people coming into the sport and you know these misfits promotions and all these other things that go on, when you go and watch a fight like that, then you then you truly you just know you know this is what boxing is all about cut all the crap cut all the stuff on social media all the other stuff that surrounds it but that fight johnson for me is the one that just when you think you're falling out of love with everything that goes on in the sport that brings you right back in again 
Oh, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it puts such a smile on my face. I, I didn't watch the main attraction of the weekend. I didn't. I'm not going to lie. Um, it just wasn't for me. I don't like the idea of it. Um, and look, I'm not saying that no one else should. Jesus, everyone's up to their own opinion. My opinion was I'm not going to waste my time on it. And then to uh, sort of wake up and hear he's been knocked down. So I was intrigued about it. I was thinking, okay, was this was this a circus as we thought? As it always had been, it was a huge circus. And then um, you see the fight, it actually wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought. I mean, Fury's performance wasn't great and Garland's was better than we expected. Um, that was about it, really. But then when you see that fight, it just puts such a smile on your face. It really does. And it just epitomizes, as you say, boxing in general. And, you know, we, we just recommend anyone that hasn't seen that fight, go back and look at it and plug the hell out of it. Push it. Push the boat, guys, because we want eyes on that. We don't want eyes on that, on the Fury and Garland. In my opinion, I don't think so. The Misfits, no, I don't want eyes on that. I want eyes on that. And that is how you show people this is what boxing is all about. This is how dangerous this sport is. This is what these guys are willing to put their risk and their lives on the line. I mean, that's that's the truth of it. You know, the be all and end all of it. You get punched in the face. You know, these guys hurt badly and they still had this inner desire to want to carry on. It just It's just the only sport that does that to you. You just feel like, wow, you're blown away by it. it it's really spectacular. And it, as you say, it epitomizes boxing. And I suppose the one other good thing I want to end it with as well, Sean, to mention is Amanda Serrano. You did mention it in the preview show. She she done the first 12-round, three-minute round. First woman to do so. She come through, you know, comfortably, won the fight very comfortably. Uh, I suppose the question is, is this going to be a one-off or is this going to lead to change? Serrano seems to, is suggesting if she has any other fights where belts are on the line, she will only fight 12-round, three-minute rounds. Has Amanda Serrano changing women's boxing completely? Is, is this a one-off though, Sean? Is this or is this going to change in future? As we've said, it would be great to have those sort of fights for women, especially when there's titles on the line. I just hope that her kind of holding the belts to ransom doesn't go against her in the sense that then the organisation decides to strip her of the belts if she refuses to fight for less than 12, three-minute rounds. You know, that that would be my worry for her as a, as a fighter. I just hope that doesn't backfire on her. But I hope... By her standing up and, and taking that moment to stand up and say, this is what we want as women, I hope that does change it. Because, like I said on the preview, I mentioned the Katie Taylor-Chantal Cameron rematch in a couple of weeks' time. You know, big, big fight. a huge fight in the women's division. And yet, that's going to be 10 twos. Why Why should that not be? Why should that, that rematch not be 12 threes? Because I think 12 threes at that rematch, you know, that could be really really pivotal for either of those two fighters in that fight given how good the first fight was between one another i know Chantel for me you know she edged katie she dom overly dominated but she she dominated some rounds in that fight and i think you get them extra two rounds in that fight or the extra three rounds championship this is why they call them the championship rounds do you know what i mean like this this is i know it's, it's a cliche saying but it is why they call championship rounds what they do it's because in those last minutes of the fight it's the time where people's heart desire will determination it all comes into play as we've just seen with the foster hernandez fight you get it round 11 is when you've seen the greatest moment of the foster hernandez fight you could see that in a women's contest if they're allowed to do it you could get that in there I, i'm i'm all for it i am genuinely all for it so i hope that serrano making that stand does make a difference 
I just hope I don't see the news in a couple of weeks' time, like she's been stripped of the titles by the organisations because they decide that actually we're still going to go with any medical evidence that's been provided because that would be the reason why they didn't. The reason why they wouldn't sanction it would be because they've been provided with further medical evidence. However, all three of them that she holds must have sanctioned this fight to go 12-3s because the titles were on the line. So if they've agreed to it this time around, there's no reason for me why they can't agree to it again. Yeah, it'd just be depending on, as you say, medical reasons. But they've, in a way, they've they've opened the door now, haven't they? If they had turned around and said, no, uh, you can't do it, then we would have just put it to bed. But by allowing her to do it one time, she's now got her foothold, her foot in the door, really, where she can push for it from now on. She's not saying, you know, if there's no world titles online, then we won't bother. But I, I think it's a great, you know, and, and as you, and the, the fact that you just brought in there, Sean, the Foster fight, you know, the Foster Dandes fight, round 11, arguably now one of the best round 11s in the history of the sport that is that's 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 terrific i mean that just shows you why couldn't we see that for the women's boxing they should be given an opportunity shouldn't they absolutely i agree and it's, it is a good note to end the show on and i want to say thank you as always for all your comments on social media on spotify in particular thank you so much to those that are dropping comments into the episodes after they've aired it really is appreciated if you are a spotify listener you do now get a question about what you thought of the episode that's your opportunity to comment on what you think not just about the episode but just thoughts and feelings on any of the content that we've discussed what your thoughts are on the fury and ganu situation and the usic fight please use that moment to to say that because i will publish them on Spotify and then I will also then look to address them the following week where possible to have these conversations with you guys so please do it I know that on Apple you can't do that you just do a rating and a review but please if you've not already done that please go and do it it really does help us we've just submitted three of our podcasts for the sports podcast group awards for 2024 so we will hopefully get nominated for at least one of them shows and if we do we'll be asking you again like we did last time to vote for us if we do get nominated for one of the shows so it's always really important just the little things like the comments and the engagement and everything that you do on social media by retweeting and resharing it's it's really really important that you do that because without that it makes it more difficult to get that level of exposure i mean bloody hell if misfits boxing can get millions of views because of these guys on influencers why can't we get it why can't you guys get out there and get retweeting get liking get sharing i always ask you to do it and i know a lot of you do uh, but for those that haven't done it yet please come and do it it really 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 helps us and as we said earlier as well just want to make a, a side note to the patreon service that we offer we mentioned the greatest rounds in boxing history we did do a patron only episode on that where we did cover 15 rounds of some of the greatest rounds of all time in boxing history if you want to listen to that episode then become a patron by checking us out at patreon.com forward slash btr boxing podcast for those that are already patrons a lot of you are long time patrons a big thank you to you and to those that are relatively new to the patreon service i hope you're enjoying it I do send you messages directly if you have any ideas or anything you do want us to implement into the patreon service please do let us know but anybody that's not a patron just go and check it out just for a moment i know there's a lot of big podcasts that do this and i hope that we can also provide you with that additional content that we've put out there that will allow you to support us in another way that'll allow us to continue on and, and keep getting some great shows out there well that is it for this episode we will be back a little bit later this week with a big fight preview for Cordina versus Vasquez. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. A dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. Oh!
Podcast Network.